You're listening to the Northwestern Campus Ministry Podcast from Northwestern College in Orange City, Iowa. Northwestern Campus Ministry exists to send students out as those rooted, built up, and established in Christ for God's glory and for the sake of the world. Thanks for listening and enjoy this recent message from our Christian Formation Program. Are you ready? Here we go. I want you to know that as as college professors, we are aware that we are quasi-public figures. I mean, we spend a lot of time facing the back of the room while everybody else in the room is facing the front, just like we're doing right now. We have audiences, we have classes, and we know what you all do when you sit and look at us and watch us for extended periods. Um, You start to form ideas. You start to make comparisons maybe to other figures that are out there. And I'm aware, I want you to know that I know this happens. You know, you could say um, uh, this statement, you know who VB reminds me of? And, And I know how you fill in that blank. I'm aware. In fact, this has been happening for years College students making comparisons of their professors. I know the ones that I've been compared to. I'm going to run through some of these for you very quickly, all right? Here's, here's the first one, okay? Oh, wait, sorry, I had a blank slide there. There it is. That's the first one. Please, let me explain. Let me explain. I used to live in a little house right over there across from North Suites. It was right next to the building that we're ripping down right now. And that meant that the men of North Suites in a bygone era had a perfect view of my house. They knew that I lived there. And they would look out across the street at my house. But apparently, sightings of me around my house were rare and somewhat fantastical. I think, in fact, some grainy photos were involved. Thus, the comparison to Bigfoot. I think they had some, like, pools, you know, like betting pools going on. Uh, VB was spotted 3.30 p.m. on Wednesday. Who was closest? Whatever. You all have your fun. That's great. That was from a while ago. More recently, this one has come up. This one is by far my favorite. Now, I'm, I'm trusting that you all know who this is. And do you know this movie? What's the movie? How many people have seen Raiders? All right, enough of you that you'll get it. Okay. Um, This has come from a number of people. I remember the first time a student came to me and said, hey, VB, are you aware that everyone compares you to Indiana Jones? And I got excited, and I said, you mean you you think I look like Harrison Ford? And this guy said, "Uh, no, 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 no. No, that's not it at all. He said, you're a college professor, you've been on archaeological digs, and you've been held at gunpoint by German soldiers. (laughs) All of which is true. Stories for another time. I'll take it. Hey, if I am in some way fundamentally like Indy, I'll take it. I'm a huge fan. But you all, your generation, you all in here, this group, you have a different comparison. You've got your own comparison that you've come up with. And again, I want you to know that I know. I'm well aware 
Some of you in this room are thinking it right now, and I want you to know you're not the first ones to do this. In fact, this one's been floating around for several years. It's come from multiple people. I've even heard this from people in different states that have no contact with one another. I'm talking about this guy. Seriously? I don't see it. But apparently you all do. I don't know if it's because he's standing in front of a map, because I do like maps. Maybe that's it. You should know. I've actually, I've never seen this movie. It's Atlantis or something like that. I've never seen it, so I have no idea if this is flattery or ridicule. No clue. No clue. But something essential in me apparently evokes this guy and something essential in this guy evokes me. I'm aware. (laughs) It brings me to a bigger question and the bigger question is this. How do you identify what is essential to a person or a thing or a concept? How do you get at those essential elements? How do you, how do you figure out what they are? Those things that evoke the whole, even though you're maybe only seeing parts. With comparisons like this, sometimes it's serendipitous, it just happens, it just pops into your head. Now, these are flawed comparisons, though. I mean, please, I, I do wear size 12 shoes, and, but just because I went in and out the back door does not make me Bigfoot, okay? Um, but have your fun, I'm totally cool with it. I do want, for the sake of our our thoughts and our conversation here this morning, though, to think a little bit about how we might do this differently, a little bit better. If we're going to respect the genuineness and the uniqueness of a person, of an individual, and we want to try and figure out what is essential about that individual, rather than drawing comparisons, what if we just, what if we just draw you know, draw the person. What if we started from scratch with, with just a, a blank canvas and we just pulled the essence of that person onto that canvas? Now, I, let me just say it. With the rarest of exceptions in this room right now, the problem here is you and I can't do this. We, we, we just can't. Some people can. What do we need if we're going to do it that way? If we're going to actually be able to see something in its essence and then pull it onto the canvas. What we need, honestly, we need an artist. I'm not an artist. Meet our very own Megan Flynn. Brand new in our art department. This is a self-portrait that she has done. It's one of my favorite pieces by her. I think it's outstanding. There's something about it that is so riveting, so captivating. It's deeply evocative. She can do it. 
She might be able to teach you the basics of how to do it, but until you or I were to actually saturate ourselves with portraiture as she has done for years, we won't get there. But artists can communicate things and see things that the rest of us, it makes us look dumb. This is so good. This takes deep skill, a visionary eye, and creative power to do it right. Let me, let me toss this in quickly before my phone falls off the... Let me toss this in. I'm talking to business students for just a moment here. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say this. this. This works for every discipline, every field, but we are all dependent upon communication. And yet none of us, or very few of us in this room, can communicate the way that artists do. Business folks, you're gonna, your whole lives are going to depend on communication. I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say that the promotion that you're up for just might be dependent upon whether or not you take a painting class with Megan Flynn. Not because you're going to become an artist, but because you thinking like an artist, being able to see the essence of something and pull it onto a blank canvas, a blank piece of paper, and to come up with a creative and innovative solution to something, that might be the key. Let's move away from people. Let's talk about something a little bit more conceptual. How about Shakespeare's famous tragedy, Macbeth, one of the best tragic dramas ever written. I'm going to give you a tip that might help you out in an upcoming cocktail party, ritzy cocktail party that you might attend down the line. If someone asks you, if the conversation is about Macbeth and someone asks you um, what Macbeth is all about, don't summarize. That's, that's, that's garden variety layman's fair. If you want to know what it's really all about, reduced to its essence, let's go to an expert. And as one expert has put it, the key to Macbeth lies not in simply recognizing that murder and reckless ambition are wrong. Rather, Macbeth teaches a more profound and ironically hopeful truth. This is fantastic. Um, Go ahead, plug your prompts into chat GPT all day long. You won't get this. You will not get the entirety of Macbeth boiled down to five words that are this salient and this profound. And that's because an AI chatbot cannot yet do what Dr. Bob's brain can do. Because the chatbot is not eating and breathing and sleeping Shakespeare the way that Dr. Bob has. This is genius. This is potent. This is an expensive French demi-gloss. You don't know what that is? I'm about to explain it. Gently simmering for 24 hours in a huge vat on the stove until it is reduced down to a cup of perfect, perfect sauce. Summaries are broth. Summaries are out of a can. This is fine dining. This is why you come to college. 
Let me bring it home. I've heard the word summary associated with the Apostles' Creed many times. I actually don't mind it. I get it. It communicates quickly. It doesn't bother me. But it doesn't get to what the creed truly is. This is what we as Christians believe boiled down to its perfect essence. Perfect maybe not, but at least its essence. Doesn't say everything. It never tried to. But it says everything essential about the Christian faith. And anything else deeply pertinent to our identity as Christians flows from these truths. It is the Christian faith distilled. Look, writing a summary can be a good exercise, but let's face it, it's not that hard. I ask you, though, do you think it's easy to write a creed? Do you think it's easy to render masterfully what Christians believe in 18 lines that stand the test of time and bind us together across denominations, languages, borders, and generations? This, and if, you, if you've been on your phone texting or whatever, stop for a moment and listen to this. I'm almost done. This is where I'm driving it home. This statement, this was some of the best thinking in antiquity in any field, science, philosophy, math, math art, literature, politics, by some of the brightest intellects you're probably going to hear some good questions, maybe even a critique or two about these words in the next several weeks. But even so, the Apostles' Creed is documented proof of the intersection of faith and the life of the mind. What better place to take a deep dive than in a college chapel? We're going to close by reading the Apostles' Creed together. But this time, I'm hoping that you don't look at it as rote recitation of old dead words. Rid yourself of the notion that reciting this creed is boring. Reciting this creed is tantamount to sitting at the feet of our spiritual forebears who ate, breathed, and slept our scriptures and then took their essence, put them on a canvas, reduced them down to their essence, 18 lines, and created something masterful. That's what I want you to take with you as we go through this series over the next few weeks. So with all that in mind, read these words with me. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead.
I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Go in peace.